Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, a reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information is provided as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. Now this week we're going to get a little bit technical and have a look at productivity growth and most importantly it's slowdown in Australia, what that means and what we can do to address it. So why is all this talk occurring about productivity? We've heard a bit about it in relation to the Jobs and Skills Summit. I want to start with a quote. Paul Krugman, the US economist, said once, productivity isn't everything, but in the long run, it is almost everything. Of course, we're talking about economics here. Of course, there are many other things that matter. But uh, productivity is a key driver of a country's standard of living. In fact, Krugman points out that a country's ability to improve its standard of living over time depends almost entirely on its ability to raise its output per worker. Yes, we can grow the economy by having people work longer hours, work more into their what would normally be retirement years, having more immigrants and so on and so forth. But ultimately, living standards per person depend on our ability to grow productivity. Basically, productivity is the key to driving real wages growth, real profit growth and asset price growth over long periods of time. It's about doing more with less. It enables governments to boost service provision in health, aged care, disability, defence, all the things that we say we need without necessarily raising the overall tax burden. And it can help keep inflation down. But unfortunately in Australia, over the last 15, 20 years, it's been declining. There's lots of debate as to why this has been, lots of talk about what we can do about it, but that's been the reality and so far there hasn't been a lot of action. Although this may be starting to change under the new federal government. So what is productivity growth? Productivity refers to the level of economic output for a given level of labour and capital inputs. So for a given number of hours worked and a certain number of machines and factories and so on, you achieve a particular level of output. Increased productivity means being able to produce more for a given level of inputs. The concept of output usually refers to GDP or gross domestic product, the standard measure of output in a country. And at its broadest level, inputs are both labor, hours worked, and capital, i.e. building structures and machinery. If you divide those inputs into GDP, you get something called multi-factor productivity. However, it's more common to hear about labor productivity. This is basically GDP per hour worked as that relates to growth in material living standards. Productivity is output effectively per person. That's the main focus. Um, and we want to grow that as rapidly as possible to grow material living standards. Now, over the last 15, 20 years, we've seen something of a slowdown. If we go way back into the 1990s, productivity growth in Australia, this is growth in output per person, was running at over 2% per annum. And in fact, that was the case into the early 2000s. But over the last decade, it slowed down to an annual pace of about 1.2% per annum. So quite a sharp slowdown. And that's also correlated with a decline in per capita GDP growth. In other words, the growth in national income per person or output per person has also slowed down with that slowdown in productivity growth. So the two go hand in hand. If you can grow productivity grow strongly, that means per capita GDP will also grow strongly and vice versa. 
Roughly speaking, the slowdown in productivity growth from 2.2% per annum in the 1990s to 1.2% per annum over the last 10 years means that after a 10-year period, annual GDP will be about 9% or in today's dollars about $300 billion less than would otherwise have been the case, which of course means lower average material living standards compared to what otherwise would have applied. Now, of course, we can make up for that by growing the population faster, having more people work, but that does not change the slowdown in per capita living standards or GDP that would flow from that slowdown in productivity. So basically, lower productivity growth is one of the contributing factors to the lower growth we've seen in real wages in recent years. It can also, over time, contribute to slower profit growth and a reduced ability for government to provide services that the community expects. So what's driven this slowdown in productivity growth? Go way back to the 1970s, we saw very high inflation, very high unemployment, and very low productivity growth all at the same time. So starting in the 1980s, we saw a huge reform effort in Australia, and this was also common to countries like the US and the UK. And that reform effort was aimed at boosting productivity growth by making the economy more flexible, more competitive, improving incentives and improving skills. These are often referred to as supply side reforms. I think uh, the US Vice President once called them voodoo economics, but uh, that supply side revolution certainly supercharged productivity as we went into the 1990s. And those measures included things like financial deregulation, floating the Australian dollar, labour market deregulation to make it more flexible, product market deregulation, reduced trade barriers, competition reforms to make markets less concentrated in the hands of a few big companies, privatisation, tax reform, and an improvement in educational attainment. This, along with baby boomers reaching their peak productivity years, saw productivity growth surge through the 1990s and the 2000s. But since then, we've seen a big slowdown. Bunch of factors behind that. Obviously, the big boost to productivity from the reforms of the 80s into the early 2000s have worn off. Secondly, since the introduction of the GST over 20 years ago, there's been very little in the way of new reforms. And in some areas, there's even been backsliding. For example, it was made more difficult for companies and their workers to agree to enterprise bargaining agreements because of what's called the better off overall test. So that arguably has slowed down productivity growth. We've also seen a very strong population growth in the mid-2000s without an adequate infrastructure and housing supply response, which led to urban congestion and poor housing affordability, both of which have contributed to poor productivity growth via increased transport costs, increased speculative activity around housing as resources were diverted from more productive uses and households being trapped with excessive debt levels and financial stability issues flowing from all of that. Another point has been that just as the early baby boomer wave in the 1970s contributed to slow productivity at the time, and that, that comes about because new workers, as they enter the workforce, tend to be less productive. So as the baby boomer wave hit in the early 1970s, it contributed to a slowing in productivity at the time. Then, of course, as they got older and hit their 40s, uh, it boosted productivity 20 or so years later. Now, of course, we're seeing those baby boomers retire with a new wave of millennials and Gen Z entering the workforce, and that might be dampening down productivity growth until those millennials and ZZ people hit their straps in terms of productivity. We've also seen a sharp slowing in business investment growth. In the 1990s, it was running at 5% per annum. Most recently, it's been close to zero per annum. Services sector has also grown in importance in the economy. It's often harder to even measure and raise productivity in services industries. We've seen more concentration in a range of industry sectors in Australia 
And finally, confusion regarding climate policies over the last 10, 20 years has likely contributed to an underinvestment in power supply, driving up energy costs. Now, of course, to some degree, this was all masked through the mining boom years. But the benefit of that seems to be waning to some degree. Yes, we're seeing a surge in mining sector profits. Yes, that's contributing to more revenue flowing to Canberra. But the broader flow onto the rest of the economy has become less broad-based. In fact, you can see a rising mining share of GDP, but a falling wages share of GDP and a full and a subdued non-mining profit share. And so that, to some degree, is leading to social tensions. And of course, the background of all of this in recent times has been falling real wages growth, which is also adding to social tensions. So what do we do about this? As I've said, it's critically important. If we want to see good growth in our living standards in per capita GDP, if you want to focus on the material side of living standards, then you really do need to boost output per worker, not just have everybody working harder. Bottom line is there's no quick and easy fixes. Simply boosting wages to to keep up with inflation may feel good in the short term, but as we saw in the 1970s, it just leads to a wage price spiral, the end result of which would likely be much higher unemployment. The key, I think, is to acknowledge the problem associated with falling productivity, explain the options to Australians to address it, and then chart a path forward designed to boost productivity and growth in living standards, much as we saw starting in the 1980s. Now, of course, the Productivity Commission in Australia has produced various reports on this, most notably back in 2017. And they've also put together, along with a lot of other organisations, put together action areas that we could act on designed to boost productivity. So I'll run through these quickly and very briefly. Obviously, labour market reforms, try and reinvigorate the enterprise bargaining system and relax the better off or the interpretation of the better off overall test. In fact, the good news is that coming out of the job summit, the government does appear to be moving down that path. We need more measures to boost workforce capability, more focus on skills training. We have a skills shortage in Australia. Yes, we can rely on immigrants in the short term, but longer term, we really need to have more skilled Australians. Raise education reform standards. Those sorts of things could involve greater incentives for companies to provide training and also a greater focus on teacher proficiency. Maintain high levels of infrastructure spending. Now, this is critically important. That surge in infrastructure we've seen in recent times has made life somewhat easier in Australian cities, but we obviously need to do a lot more. We need to boost the supply of housing to match, or at least more than match, underlying population-driven demand. And I think we need to do it for several years to make housing more affordable. We need reforms. Refocus on competition reforms to reduce market concentration in key industries. Healthcare. This is one the Productivity Commission has often pointed out. We need more of a focus on prevention and management. And in case of investment, we need more incentives to boost investment and innovation. We need more certainty around climate policy. Fortunately, the current government seems to be moving down that path, which should hopefully boost investment in renewable energy and get our energy costs back under control. Where regulations have become excessive or redundant, they should be reviewed or removed. Uh, We also need to remove remaining areas of protection. For example, we still pay car tariffs in Australia, even though we're not protecting a local auto industry. So what do we have those tariffs for? I think we've also got to watch the creeping growth in the size of government. I think we all agree. Disability insurance, more spending on the aged and health and so on are needed, and they're good things. But by the same token, we need to make sure that the size of government relative to the overall economy doesn't get out of hand. And finally, the big one is, of course, tax reform. This one's been around for years. We have a tax system that's heavily reliant on inefficient income taxes on companies and individuals. We have a GST, 
which is levied on a declining portion of the economy. And we have a bunch of distorting taxes, ridiculous taxes, I would call them, like stamp duty. And we also lack a super profit tax on resources. So ideally, we need tax reform to redress the balance, remove the reliance on direct taxation in favour of greater reliance on the GST. And I wholeheartedly agree we need to compensate for those adversely affected along the way, particularly welfare recipients. And we also need to remove nuisance taxes like stamp duty. But obviously, that is probably the most difficult area to redress on the list. Bottom line is, this might sound kind of gloomy, a lot of work to do here, but I would point out Australia is in far better shape than many comparable countries. Our public debt, while up, is still relatively low compared to many other countries. Inflationary pressures here are weaker than in US and Europe. Unemployment is very low and we are politically far less polarised than the US and parts of Europe and therefore more open to compromise, which all of which I think are good things. But over the last 15 years, we have seen some policy drift in terms of addressing this decline in productivity and that has led to that or contributed to the decline in productivity and we need to find ways to fix that. If we don't, this will weigh on investment returns and most importantly, it will weigh on real wages and the welfare of Australians. The best way to address these issues is to build a consensus and commitment for reform and then start moving. Fortunately, I'd have to say the new government appears to be heading down this path, albeit there is still a way to go. So I hope that's been of value. Adios, until we meet again. Now to stay up to date from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series more broadly, be sure to subscribe on your favourite streaming platform. That way, you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but before we go, a quick reminder that all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.